0: Welcome to Buzz with Brian. I am your host, Brian. We're going to talk about beer, the history and drinking. Hey there, beer fans. Welcome back to another episode of Buzz with Brian. And happy 2023. That's right, we're officially in the new year. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed your holidays and are getting back into the swing of work. I know I certainly am. Um, I hope you all enjoyed some nice tasty beverages as well while you're spending time with family and friends these past couple of weeks. I have quite the episode lined up for you all today. That's right. It's going to be a lot of history, a lot of trivial knowledge sent your way, but it'll be fun. Uh, We are going to cover the stout. That's right. Way back when, I think that was episode two, uh, way back when I did the porter and I alluded to a lot of crossover between porter versus stout. And well, today we're going to finally settle the debate, starting off 2023 with a hot one. Uh, But speaking of hot weather, it's also been uncharacteristically warm here in Wisconsin lately, as I'm sure it is in much of the other parts of the Midwest. So today we are sponsored by sweaters. Normally, you need them during the wintertime. Lately, not so much. As I was saying, it has been uncharacteristically warm. However, it is still chilly, and I think people are enjoying some dark beers. So I'm excited to... I'm certainly enjoying dark beers, so I'm excited to tell you the tale behind a dark beer that we have today, so the stout. And we are going to be featuring one of my local favorites. It's from the Fermentorium out of Cedarburg, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee. They also have a second taproom location in Wauwatosa. One of the neighboring communities of milwaukee city proper today we have fermentoriums sweater weather that's right this is a series it's a base imperial milk stout that's right i am only going over the style history of the stout today don't worry i had what i had in my fridge <laughs> so i'll do a milk stout episode later down the road i'll do a imperial stout later down the road hopefully it won't take me 53 episodes to get there like i have from the porter to the stout but i digress So, the Sweater Weather is a base Imperial milk stout, like I said, and they have quite the running series of it of kind of both uh, single and kind of double ingredient adjuncts added in for different varieties. And maybe one will appear on the show today. I'm not sure. It depends on how thirsty I'm feeling. But we have the Sweater Weather. On to today's show. The stout is a strikingly bold creation. It pairs oh so well with that colder weather season. Like I said, it's been a little warm lately, but it's still chilly out there. You can enjoy your dark beers. And the stout is certainly very dark in color with a noticeable aroma and flavor. American stouts will often utilize generous amounts of dark malts to achieve that full opaque body and marry that with the American style hops, creating an adventurous experience. As mentioned earlier, don't worry, I'll come back and I'll put out more stout episodes and go over the characteristics and style history of these specific kind of uh, sub-varieties, the sub-styles underneath the stout. But today we're just going to cover the stout. That being said, it's very common, I think, for any beer drinker, you know, new or experienced to associate stouts with a heavy, distinct, high-octane beer. And certainly the ABV of this beer range is in the kind of 5.7 mid-fives to 8 or even a little bit north of that And the IBUs are going to be from 35 to 60. So 35 on the low end, that's a fairly sweet beer still. It's not overly bitter, but it's not, you know, candy sweet. But up to 60 IBUs, that does approach kind of even your American Pale Ale or lower end of your IPAs, so it can be a a bitter beer. So people are totally off um, when they think about this being a heavy, distinct, high-octane beer. But despite this seemingly aggressive profile, I would like to kind of erase some of that stigma that stouts aren't always approachable beers. I think they are, and I think they can be very approachable. The base of the stout is a natural to embody adjuncts and other flavors creating a tasty treat that anyone could enjoy. Furthermore, the Brits paved the way with oatmeal stouts giving a creamy textured body. Uh, they also decided to put lactose into a stout base to create the milk stout which gives you a semi-sweet effect. Going into the American brewers, uh, there's certainly been a lot of ingenuity of common adjuncts such as vanilla and cocoa nibs and coffee and the dessert-forward pastry stouts, to name a few. Stouts have also captivated the attention of not only whiskey connoisseurs, but several spirits made in barrels as craft brewers turn to aging their stouts to infuse these flavors. So I think the stout can be very diverse and can appeal to a lot of people, and I don't want obviously these are a lot of distinct flavors but you know don't always say like oh that's a stout that's not approachable for me you might surprise yourself but for today we'll stick to just the topic of where exactly did that original stout come from and move on to some history all right all right all right so porter versus stout we gotta settle a little bit of a debate here before we get into the exact history of a stout for things to kind of make sense. So again, I mentioned this earlier, but a quick flashback to my second episode, that's right, way back, almost a year ago, I went over the history of the porter. So if you haven't already checked out that episode 002, please do. It's a really, really neat episode. There's a lot of cool history there. And I won't go over all that again today. (laughs) In that episode, I spoke to the porter versus stout debate and what really is the difference, both now and historically speaking, of course. Well, let's first settle the distinction between what goes into making a porter versus a stout. So if you were to survey a bunch of brewers, likely the response they would say is that the grain bill is the only thing technically separating the two. Simply put, porters use malted barley and stouts use unmalted roasted barley. So unmalted meaning that the barley grain wasn't soaked, allowing for germination to occur or at least germination to start, which helps convert those starches into fermentable sugar. And also releases enzymes that will assist in the brewing process so you're saying why use unmalted roasted barley in a stout then don't we want those fermentable sugars don't we want the yeast to be happy and create alcohol and make a beer a beer well of course you know brewers are still going to use a combination of both unmalted and malted barleys or other grains other cereals in their makeup of a stout but there has to be that unmalted roasted barley component And that's what gives a stout both its dark opaque color and full textured body. And it even aids in head retention that you see in most uh, stout pores. So now that we've kind of briefly settled the distinction between what goes into the making of the modern day porter versus stout and what makes them different, let's talk some history. So first up, what exactly is the meaning of the word stout? When we look back at the etymology of this adjective, stout, You know, it's been around for some time, and it hasn't always meant the same thing. In the 14th century and prior, the primary meaning of stout meant proud or brave. However, after the 14th century, we started to see this shift that stout started to become a descriptor of something that is strong, which, you know, proud, brave, strong, strength, probably all very similar, but we start to see this very distinct, like, yes, stout means strong. So... By the year 1677 rolled around, it was finally used, the first time at least in written literature, to describe a beer, and this was in the Edgerton Manuscripts. The Edgertons were a long-time aristocratic family in England, consisting of dukes and earls and other titles I just don't understand. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll take a lesson on what all those mean and why they're important to the country of England, but not today. But you're probably saying, hold on, Brian, you said 1677? That's the first time they saw the word stout describing a beer. And you're probably saying, wait, I remember back in your Porter episode that you said porters weren't around until the early 1700s. So how do we have a stout beer in 1677? The reference to stout beer here is that it was a strong beer, not a dark beer, right? So you got to have that association gone onto your brain. So technically, yes. The stout beer came first, but it wasn't associated with a dark beer until after the inception of the porter. Naturally, over time, brewers in England started ramping up the ABV on their porters because, remember, strength and quality of beer were directly related. They were directly associated with one another in this time period. These high ABV porters started to become referred to as stout porters by the mid to late 1700s. So, Aha, here we are. (laughs) Herein lies why our porter versus stout debate is so complicated and why many people argue that they are the same beer. And I'm not here to say that they're wrong. It really depends on when in history that you're talking about what a porter versus a stout is. And certainly over time, the porter and stout started to gravitate away from each other and became more distinct styles that we now recognize as very separate beers in today. Moving on to the American piece of history with the stout and porter debate, no doubt, I think I said this back in 002, it is likely that there are brewers in the United States during the 1700s and early 1800s that are brewing porter and stout porter-esque beers, you know, very similar style beer at the time, until the German immigration hit and we had the domination of the German style lager in the United States and a lot of these dark beers kind of fell to the wayside. And then we hit prohibition and breweries were closing left and right. And there's really not much out there for people to make stuff that's, uh, you know, trailblazing or something new on the market or resurging on the market until, of course, much like many of our other styles, we saw a little bit of resurgence at the start of the American craft beer movement. The end of our tale of the stout brings us to California. That's right. There was a man named Jack McAuliffe, and he started New Albion Brewing Company in 1976 in Sonoma, California. Yep, that's right. A brewery right in the heart of wine country. Uh, Jack had missed experiencing all things not pale lager while serving in the Navy, touring Europe. Um, It is thought, actually, that New Albion is the first American craft brewery post-Prohibition. So that's neat. (laughs) At the start of the company, he had, and this is Jack's brewing here, he had an ale, a porter, and a stout. So this is thought to be the first stout back in the U.S. Um, This is actually more closely related to what the modern American stout is because he did have that porter stout distinction. Um, however, unfortunately, you can't enjoy the original New Albion Brewing Company today. They folded and closed their doors in 1983, so fairly short-lived. Um, but they are still living in spirits in the modern day because moving into the late 2000s, Boston Beer Company, a.k.a. Sam Adams, bought the New Albion brand, and in 2012, Jim Koch and of Sam Adams Beer got together with jack to brew the original recipes of his beers with a release in 2013 so that's really neat um i think sam adams for being a regional giant that they are still does a lot of good things to kind of reinvigorate the craft beer movement and be supporters and continue the legacy of brands and things like that so really tip of the cap to sam adams i I enjoy some of the stuff they do on a macro scale for the the micro guys Um, But New Albion is still brewed today, and it's under the direction of Jack's granddaughter now, Renee, with BrewDog USA in Columbus, Ohio. So I haven't ever seen this label out there, uh, but like I said, it's still brewed today, so I might have to keep my eyes peeled for a New Albion stout, the original U.S. craft beer stout. Well, that wraps up a great start then to 2023 for some style history. Today's episode, like I said, full of trivial knowledge, and I hope I could help continued my fellow beer drinkers solve the mystery of porter versus stout now on to our brewery for the day (music) the fermentorium opened in january of 2016 in cedarburg wisconsin by a christopher volkman so wow looks like they are just rounding out onto their seventh anniversary so shout out to them For those of you who don't know, Cedarburg is a lovely little community just north of Milwaukee. You can take I-43 straight north and you'll eventually run into a Cedarburg exit. The mission of the Fermentorium and Christopher Volkman himself is to unleash imagination while preserving tradition. And I think that's really uh, well said and well put together. And I think they definitely encapsulate that with the variety of beers that they do brew. And... Honestly, despite only starting to pour beers in 2016 for the good people of Cedarburg, Christopher had long been thinking about this concept for the brewery. He states that it was way back in 2007 when he was inspired by an old elixir carts that were piloted by eccentric alchemists that he could open a humble three-barrel brewery focused on mixed fermentation and forged ingredients. Naturally, over time, his original idea evolved as his hobby turned into a passion and then into a full-blown 20-barrel craft brewery system, so just a touch bigger than what he had visioned back in 2007. Since then, it has continued to grow, and including a second tap room space in Wauwatosa that saw its first beers poured in May of 2019. The original intent of this second tap room space was to create and expand the barrel aging and sour programs for the fermentorium. Um, that was noted in the original name, I think it was the Fermentorium Barrel House was on the, the sign there. And I've actually been to... That location. I haven't had the chance to see the original brewery in Cedarburg, but it's on my list. Um, However, the barrel room, the barrel house, wasn't exactly coming to fruition. The pandemic and then the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau had concerns about the safety of barrels existing in the tap room. So naturally, you pivot. (laughs) Christopher hired a bar manager with great food experience. So they built out a mini kitchen, you know, I think probably and likely the space that was supposed to be designated for some barrels. (laughs) And the kitchen dishes out some really tasty pizzas. In addition, they added some booth seating. Just this past fall, the Wawatosa Taproom has been also rebranded and dubbed the Vinyl Lounge and Taproom slash Record Shop. So that's another new thing. I haven't been there since that part has been instilled. Uh, Christopher says that one of his other passions in life is music and listening to music. So he thought, why not bring some of that energy and vibe to my taproom in Wawatosa And he partnered with a local retailer out of the river west neighborhood in milwaukee called we buy records and they started doing a pop-up in the last this past summer and it kind of just took off so now they have vinyl on display at all times as well as lots of used vinyl um, in your normal kind of record shop looking organizers in the back and the front of the tap room so really really cool really neat and i think they also still encourage people patrons coming to the tap room to bring their own vinyl to play while they enjoy some beers and I think we'll continue to see this trend going on into 2023 and beyond of breweries striking up partnerships with businesses that suit the interests of their patrons. It's just a big collaborative community after speaking with all the people I have and meeting all the people I had last year, everyone's always looking to help their common local small business out. And I think that's really, really neat. One of the cool things about craft beer. So look to see more of that uh, across craft brew as a whole in 2023. With that, let's get on to some beers. Beer time. That's right. This is our first beer of 2023. And I think it's actually my first beer of 2023 personally, since I'm recording this week of, of the episode drop. And I did not have one post midnight on New Year's Eve. So yeah, first beer for me, 2023. Like I said earlier, we have the Sweater Weather. It's an Imperial Milk Stout. I don't normally do this on the show where I, you know, deviate a little bit away from what the base style history was. Like I said, there will be a an imperial stout episode. There will be a milk stout episode. I promise those will come in the near future. But yeah, for today we have the sweater weather. We are drinking this out of a sixteen ounce traditional pounder today, and the beer is weighing in at eight point four percent and sitting at twenty five IBUs. So both are actually fairly reasonable numbers for the regular stout range. I think it's going to be a little sweeter. Um, The IBUs are a little lower because it is a milk stout base, and the ABV, it is imperial, but it is acceptable to have a regular base stout in the kind of low fours. So with that, let's get on to this pour. All right, as this one's pouring out, it is a absolute beauty of a stout. That's right. We have a very dark black beer, opaque, can't see through it. There's a thick brown foam head retaining at the top, about a good inch, honestly. And um, when you bring the beer up to the light here, as I'm waiting for this foam to settle down, there is a touch of ruby red color just on the edges of the glass, and it's creating this really beautiful aura effect that a lot of stouts, I think, do have, but enough people appreciate or take the time to really kind of investigate the beer before just drinking it. So now this foam is kind of settling out here, let's get in for a quick smell, shall we, on the aroma. Mmm, yep. <laughs> it's, it smells like cream. You can get a lot of that creaminess on the aroma um, coming from the lactose edition, likely, since this is a milk milk stout. I'm also picking up a subtle kind of roasted chocolate note in there, as well as vanilla. I know it seems weird to pick up both of those at the same time, and I would describe the vanilla almost as that, like, fruity, very perfume-like aroma when you open up a open up a bottle of vanilla extract, like for baking and you're, you know, it's really hitting the nose strong. It's a subtle fruitiness, kind of like that. So let's get in for a sip here. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. One more. Oh, it's a very sweet beer. It's a very sweet beer. It's kind of hard to seek past that, that malty sweetness Like, so let's get one more sip here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweet malt forward. Yeah, I get a little bit of that coffee roast though, and with a touch of chocolate. I feel like there's not actually probably cacao nibs added to this beer, but it has a little bit of that chocolate, both coffee, very complex characteristic coming from the dark roasted malt. So I like that. Um and there's actually hold on one more. Mm hmm. Yeah, as I kind of break into this mid palate, there's a certain level of breadiness that comes to it, which is uh, kind of nice actually this beer actually is fairly complex for a stout I was thinking you know just going to be a straightforward milk stout it's going to be very creamy very milk chocolatey but there's some other notes in here that I'm really appreciating um, when you get to the kind of end of this beer that sweet creamy texture mouth kind of coats the mouth a little bit that's the effect I'm getting and one more mm-hmm. yeah as so I'm drinking more of this I get a little bit more of that you know we're drinking an 8% plus beer here <laughs> and I get a little bit of that ABV flavor creeping in, some of that alcohol sweetness, and it's kind of leaving a little bit of an undesirable taste in my mouth, but it's still a really solid beer with a lot of complexity, and it's making me want to drink more. Speaking of that, the balance and drinkability of this beer, there is some, uh, that coffee roast does provide a little bit of bitterness to combat some of the sweetness I'm getting likely from the lactose and from the alcohol as well. And I would say it's really a drinkable stout. You know, I, I talked about earlier in this episode breaking away the stigma of stouts not being approachable and then being really distinct and kind of scary things that some people will shy away from, but for an 8.4% stout, it's very drinkable, and the body on this is very filling, and I don't know if I'd want another one of these right away, but it's a drinkable stout, and I think a lot of people would maybe change their minds and change their tunes of trying this beer and being like, oh, huh, that is something I can't handle. That is pretty good. So with that, let's get on to some Ratings. All right. So we are moving on to ratings here. I know I alluded to this in the beginning of the episode that I might drink one of the variants I have of this particular beer, the sweater weather, but I'm quite full (laughs) and it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. 2023 is a marathon, not a sprint folks. So I'm going to abide by that and take my time. And we're only going to drink one Imperial Stout tonight. Sorry, everyone to disappoint if I'm disappointing you, but as I alluded to in my last episode. We are still going to stick to the same old scale, 0 to 5 for ratings in 2023 here, down to the quarter point. And this beer, I think, has got some really great attributes to it. It surprised me. It had some great depth on the malt characteristics. However, as I drank more of it and got to the end of the glass, that a little bit of, I don't want to call it astringency because it wasn't astringent, but the sweetness coming from the ABV was bothersome to me, just on a a small level. But I think this is a very approachable beer. I think it's dynamic. A lot of new stout drinkers would probably find a lot of enjoyment with this particular beer and find it approachable and make them maybe change their tune of saying, huh, I can actually drink stouts and I can enjoy them. So with that, and keep in mind, I'm keeping this in the realm of it is an imperial milk stout, not a regular stout with my rating. I'm going to give it a 4.00 out of 5. And that's a review. All right, beer fans, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you again for tuning this week and every week and even every year now since we are in 2023. Very excited for the podcast. I've got a lot of really neat recordings lined up with breweries out there, so look to see more brewery specials on the horizon as well as getting into some more style history. That's right. There's no shortage of style history. Some things that I will likely cover here earlier on in 2023 will be probably more stout episodes. I might do some sub-styles and certainly some Belgians. I have not gotten into many Belgian beers in the pod yet, so that's something I'm looking forward to doing. And if you want to see any other beers on the show, feel free to reach out at buzzwithbrian at gmail.com. Happy to take any suggestions. And of course, if you want to send me some beer, or give me some beer. I'll put it on the show. Don't worry. it'll It'll get drank. <laughs> Um, and speaking of drinking beer though, if you want to find the beers I had on today out in the wild or any of Fermentorian's beers, they do have a beer finder on their website. So do utilize that, but certainly they distribute over a lot of the kind of greater Eastern half of Wisconsin. I wouldn't be surprised if you found them in some, uh, other places in Northern Wisconsin or maybe even across the border here or there. So more on the horizon for them. And with that, that wraps up the first episode of 2023 here. Thanks so much again for everyone tuning in. Can't wait to get back on the mic again soon and join another beer. Cheers beers.